Well, hello, 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 and good evening, and welcome to Ignite Depot. My name is Milton Jones. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to thank you for joining us here at uh, Kingdom Encounters Live here at, at We Are ID3 at Ignite Depot. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice, and we will be exceedingly glad. Now, this is, if you're in Canada, Canada, this is uh, Canada Day in Canada. We also know that coming up this week is the 4th of July, the independence of the U.S. So we just wanted to, you know, since it falls on Canada Day, we just want to celebrate, you know, and sing that song. You know, it's different when you go from one nation to another. If you go to the United States and they sing the national anthem, they're singing it with passion and, and, and all their feelings behind it. But when you come to Canada and you begin to sing the national anthem and, uh, if you sing with the same passion that you would as you were saying at the, in the United States, some of the people might be looking at you like, you're not from here, are you? So we just wanted to acknowledge and, and wish all of our fellow Canadian brothers and sisters a happy Canada Day. And to our brothers and sisters in the United States, man, happy 4th of July in the name of Jesus. Now, again, my name is Neil Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at Ignite Depot, and I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We're not going to... We're going to jump right into the word tonight because we have a lot of area to cover tonight, but it's going to be good in the neighborhood. I'm telling you right now. So get your expectations out there. You know, even from the very beginning, you want to you want to lean into it. You don't want to wait to the middle or, the, or close to the end before you begin to make a decision that you're going to lean in. You're going to lean into it from the very beginning because I know God has a word for you. And if you are as, as excited about what God is going to say through this message tonight, as I was when I got this message, boy, I tell you what, it, it will change your life forever. We're going to start by making our declaration in accordance to Isaiah 61 and 1. It says this. It says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He says to proclaim the acceptable year of the day of um, vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. He says to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste and they shall raise the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father in heaven, we give you all the glory, the honor and praise that is due your name. We thank you that this is the day which you've made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. Father, I thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but Father, let it be a demonstration of spirit and power that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, we covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father, I decrease that you may increase all of you and none of me. Father, I pray that my tongue will be the pen of a ready writer writing the very oracles of your word upon the tablets of their hearts. Father, I believe that burdens will be removed, yokes will be destroyed, people's lives will be forever changed as a result of your word. And I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen. We make this declaration that the lips of the uncompromisingly righteous feed and guide many. The lips of the uncompromisingly righteous feed and guide many. Now we've been in the series talking about, you know, started a few, probably about six or seven weeks ago, but, and the title of that uh, series was called, 
you know, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I want to invite you, if you if you haven't already, man, check out our podcast at Ignite to Life uh, audio podcast. You can scan the QR code that's up on the screen right now. What it will do, uh, let you hear, you know, hear this message and also all the other messages that led up to the message that we're going to review tonight. But this is going to be in addition to this message tonight. If I was to give this message a title, the title of this message will be Practical Points of Prayer part four. Practical points of prayer, part four. And it's, it's, it's imperative that you go back and you listen to the other messages because it's always a building block. You know, you know, in this series about Lord, teach me how to pray, we begin to build the foundation and the parts on the practical points of prayer is just building up on the foundation that we've already built. It's kind of like when you build your house, they lay the foundation first and then they start putting up the walls and then they start putting up the, the roof and all that. But they have to lay a foundation first, because if you don't lay a foundation, when that storm comes and the winds begin to blow and everybody goes through storms and trials, tribulations, that house will fall if it doesn't have a solid foundation. So it's imperative that you go back and listen to those other messages. Now, the series, it started off with Lord teach us how to pray. And that was in accordance to Luke chapter 11, verse one. And I was reading now the uh, Passion Translation, which says this. It says that one day, while well, as Jesus was in prayer, one of his disciples came over to him as he was finished. And this is what he said. He says, would you teach us a model prayer? that we may pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus is, is, is finishing prayer. So the, Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. It's not something that he just did because, you know, he was the son of God. He did this because that he was our living example that in order to operate according to the kingdom of God, you are going to have to have a lifestyle of prayer, not just when you're in trouble, not Lord, if you just do it this one last time, Lord, if you just do it one last time, Lord, then I promise you I'll do this, that, and the other. No, when you live a lifestyle of prayer, it's a part of your everyday life. Now, we and also we talked about this in the past that prayer always works. Some people say they don't pray because they don't believe prayer works. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, I'm a living witness that prayer always works when you understand how to pray effectively. See, a lot of times people say prayer doesn't work because they haven't learned how to pray effectively. Now, when you learn how to pray effectively, the first thing you will realize is that prayer is not a religious exercise. Prayer is not a religious exercise. Man, you have all kind of all kind of people praying. You have you have uh, people who practice Hindu, they pray. You have people who practice Islam, they pray. You have people who uh, Roman Catholic, they pray. You have people uh, uh, Buddhas, they pray. Uh, people talking about New Age, humanism, all those types. They they quote unquote according to their their uh, teachings or whatever, they pray, but it, it's, for them, is a religious exercise. But when you're talking about when you're praying according to the kingdom of God, you realize you're not, it's not a religious exercise, but you do realize that it is a actual petition or legal request. So when you're coming into the kingdom of God and you're praying, just like Jesus is teaching, is going to teach his disciples how to pray, He's giving them a model or a form or an example of how to pray. He's not talking about a religious exercise. He's talking about, I'm going to show you the model on how our form on how to pray according to the kingdom of God. And you're, and you're not coming as, you know, as some kind of religious exercise, 
but you're petitioning God and you know that when you pray, you believe that you receive that what you ask for. How do you know that? Because that's what Jesus said to his disciples. He says this. He says, this is the reason I urge you. This is Mark 11, chapter 24, uh, out of the Passion Translation. He says, this is the reason I urge you to be to be boldly to boldly believe for whatever it is you ask for in prayer. So whenever you're coming to prayer, he says you need to come believing boldly with, with all confidence that when you come into prayer, he says, because be convinced. He wants you says, be convinced that you have received it and you will have it. Another way to say that he says is whatsoever you desire when you pray, when you make your petition, when you make your request known, he says, believe, have faith that you will receive it, that you will take it, that you will possess it. And he says, and you will have whatsoever you say. Now, somebody asked a question earlier this week. Are there any prayers that God can't answer? Are there any prayers that God can't answer? And the answer to that question is yes. But I thought you just said whatever I asked, according to his will. Because see, the, the, the prayer that God cannot answer is any prayer that violates his word. He can't answer a prayer that's going to violate his word. No more than a judge can, can, can grant you a request that's going to allow you to break the law. He says, God, God said this. He says, I can never go against the laws and principles that violate the kingdom of God. He says, anything that goes against the kingdom of God, he says, I can't answer that prayer request. He said, because it violates the laws and principles of the kingdom. So if you say, you know, man, I'm praying that that person divorces their husband and, and then she becomes my wife. God can't answer that prayer because that goes that violates his word. He, he no more. He said you said God kills so and so. God can't answer that, that prayer because it goes against his word. I've heard people pray that I've heard people say, hey, I'm going to pray that God strikes that person down with, with 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 a disease so that I can get their position. Man, God, one, I'm praying for you that your heart get right. And two, God can never answer that prayer because it violates his word. The same blood of Jesus that paid for your sins is the same blood of Jesus that paid for mine. The same word that's there to save you is the same word is there to save me. The same Holy Spirit who is there to help you is the same Holy Spirit who's there to help me. So God can never answer a prayer that violates his word. But when you pray, He's, Jesus is telling us when you're praying, you're praying in line with his word. And we're going to talk about that tonight in the name of Jesus. Now, we've been talking about, hey, foundational scripture has been Matthew chapter six, verse number nine. He says, and then when Jesus is beginning to teach them about the model of prayer, this is what he says. He says this. He says, pray then in this way or pray in this manner. He says, our Father. So the first thing you realize is when you're coming to prayer, you're praying to our Father. Our Father is Jehovah, uh, Yahweh. You know, so you're not praying to Mary. You're not praying to angels. You're not praying to Jesus. You're not praying to the Holy Spirit. You're not praying to uh, Buddha, or, uh, Allah, anybody else. You're praying to our Father, which is, in, where is he located? In heaven. Heaven is a physical place. It's not a figment of your imagination. It is a physical place. It says, our father who is in heaven, holy, or perfect, or pure is your name. He says, he says, your name is perfect. 
Your name is holy. He says, so Father, we are going to honor you when we come in to prayer. Now again, heaven is a physical place. Heaven is a physical place where God and Jesus and the early prophets and apostles and believers reside. It, it is a government with the king and territory and laws and principles, values and morals, concepts that govern the lives of the citizen. So heaven is a physical place. Heaven is a physical place. So when you're coming into prayer, the first thing you're going to realize is I'm making this petition or making this request known to God, our Father, who where is in heaven. We holy, hollow, our pure and perfect is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's the next one where he says, your kingdom come and your will be done. What are you saying? God, I'm praying that your kingdom come and that your will be done. Say that with me. God, I'm praying that your kingdom come, that your will be done. See that right there? When you're praying, you're not praying that your will be done. You're praying that God, that your kingdom comes and that God, your will be done. Be done with in whatever situation and circumstance that you're believing God for. You're saying, God, when I'm coming to you in prayer, Father, I'm praying that your kingdom, your kingdom, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is this, is God's sovereign rulership and governing influence over a territory impacted with his will, his intent, and his purpose. So when you're coming in prayer and you're saying, God, I'm praying that your influence, God, your influence come. I'm not saying for you to take me to heaven, Father, but I'm praying that, that your kingdom, your influence, your influence, which will impact my home, impact our land, impact our government, impact our media and entertainment and education and financial systems and whatever area of your life, Father, I'm coming to you to make my request or petition known to you so that your kingdom, your will, your purposes and intents will be done where? In the earth, just like it is in heaven. So God, is, Jesus is saying, when you're praying this model of prayer, you're saying, Father, I am requesting that your will, your intent, your purpose come to the earth, just like it is in heaven. Remember, heaven is a place and heaven has is a government with laws and, and principles and concepts and values and morals. So you're saying, God, I want your morals. I want your, I want your values. Father, I want your love. I want your peace. I want your joy. I want your perfection. I want everything that is in heaven to be, I want it to be on earth in my home, in my family, in my marriage, with my children and grandchildren, with on my job, in my in our local government, in any area of our life. Father, I'm praying that your will, intent, and purposes come in the earth just like they are in heaven. So we talked about that last week. You know, when you're praying, you're you have to for a lot of people, if you pray according to God's Will, it's going to change how you pray because it's going to eliminate a lot of things that's on your list right now. Because you, the first thing you want to find out is what is God's will concerning 
how to pray for our government. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 answers that question for you. Uh, when he says that, first of all, Paul says, I first of all, brother, supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving thanks be made unto all men, to kings and those who are in authority. So when I come to prayer and I want to pray about my government, or I want to pray about the school board, or I want to pray about the finances, or I want to pray about, you know, our church or our pastors or our leaders or whatever the situation is going to be. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to God's word to find out what is God's word or his will concerning how am I supposed to address that situation? Am I supposed to talk against my enemies, talk against my president, talk against my prime minister, talk against my senator, talk against my boss, talk against my wife, my children? That's not what the word says. Word says, why are you going to talk about it when you can pray about it? See, talking about it doesn't change anything. Praying about it changes everything. The first thing that prayer is going to do is change how you see it. Because now you're no longer doing it on your behalf. Because remember, your goal is to get the kingdom of God, God's influence into that situation in earth, just like it is in heaven. Now, why, you know, why is talking about the kingdom of God so important. It was so important that when Jesus came to the earth, that was the message that he announced. Jesus announced the message. He says this, and, and he says in uh, Mark chapter one, verse 15, he says this, he says this, he says his message, Jesus' message was this. He says, at last, the fulfillment of the age has come. He said, it is time for God's kingdom his influence, impacting it with his, the territory, with his will, his purpose, intent has come. He says, it's God's kingdom. It's time to be, to be experienced in its fullness. He says, he says, so turn your lives back to God and put your trust in a hope-filled gospel. Jesus is saying this. He says, it's time. I'm announcing, I'm sounding the alarm that God's kingdom has come. He says, so repent, turn your life around and, 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 and turn back to God and put your trust in this hope-filled gospel. See, when you start preaching about the gospel of the kingdom of God, man, there's nothing but hope and there's expectation when you preach this gospel. And the, the, the biggest thing about it is, is this is one of the biggest gospels that's not being preached. You preach, a lot of people are preaching about grace, and there's nothing wrong about preaching about grace. We preach and talk about faith. We talk about grace. We talk about love. We talk about the, the crucifixion. But but I'm going to share something with you that God shared with me as we're going through this message. Now, Jesus is saying, but when he first comes on the scene, the first thing he says is the kingdom of repent, turn for the kingdom of God, God's influence or his rulership in over a territory, influencing it with his will, his purpose, and in his intent has come. So turn, go in that direction. Now, Jesus, this gospel has to be preached. In fact, it says this in Matthew chapter 24, that while this gospel has to be preached, it's, it's talking about in Matthew 24. If you go back up to verse four, his disciples is asking Jesus, when, you know, when is the end of this age coming? And when is the end of this world? And when is your return? So they're asking Jesus three questions. And the first thing Jesus says, don't be deceived 
or don't be misled into error. And he, then he begins to talk about all these things that's going to happen. There's going to be famines and wars and, and rumors of war and earthquakes. But he also begins to talk about how this world system is going to, is beginning to dissipate or it's going to be become dismantled. So when the world system becomes dismantled and everything, people are going to be trying to come up with all kinds of things. He says, but what is the one thing that has to happen before all this thing comes to a, is this age as we know it is wrapped up? He says it in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 24 in verse 14. I'm reading out the amplified version. And this is what he says. He says, and this good news of the kingdom, the gospel will be preached throughout the whole nation or the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus said, he says, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached. So that's why, you know, when we're talking about Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray and using this model, he's using the model according to how things operate in the kingdom of God are in God's way of doing things. And in fact, we said this last week, one of the first things you want to do when you come to prayer, after you realize you pray to the Father, one of the first things you want to do, you want to seek first the kingdom of God or seek first God's will, intent or purpose for whatever it is that you're praying for. That's the first thing you because you don't want to just come into prayer and just be praying, hope, saying a whole bunch of stuff and not getting any results. And you say, man, prayer don't work. Prayer always work when you learn how to pray effectively. So the first thing you got to realize is this gospel has to be preached. And it was so important that Jesus said in Luke chapter four, verse 43, he says this. He said this to the people. He says, I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God to other cities and towns also, he says, for I was sent for this purpose. What? Jesus said he was sent for this purpose, the purpose to do what? To preach the kingdom of God. Because when we we have a, um, have a conference that's coming up in the month of August uh, in Toronto, and it's called the, the Why Jesus Conference. And in this Why Jesus Conference, we're going to te be teaching people about why Jesus came. You know, we understand what he did when he came, but we're going to be talking about why he did what he did and what was the result of it that was going to happen in our lives. Man, you don't want to miss it. So if you're in the Toronto area, man, we invite you to come uh, to that conference and everything is going to be a great time. But the point is, Jesus, for this purpose, was he sent? God sent Jesus. Now, understand John the Baptist was a forerunner. He came and he, be, what was the message that John the Baptist preached? Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, John actually used the word kingdom of heaven and it's been used uh, interchangeably, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Some people ask, why did John use, why did Matthew use the, the word kingdom of heaven as opposed to kingdom of God in the beginning? Because if you understand in the Jewish culture at that time, they didn't like they didn't say the name God. They they said a whole lot of things, but they they call him the name, but they never called him God. So God is saying that He says Jesus came, and He says for this purpose was I sent to preach the kingdom of God. People said, "Well, why is that important, man? We we be we be talking about all kind of things." But He also said this. 
Jesus said this. He says, he says, the law of Moses and the revelation of the prophets have prepared you for the arrival of the kingdom announced by John. So from John, from the law of Moses, from Moses all the way to John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the prophets was preparing people for the arrival of the kingdom, God's kingdom, which was announced by God. Then it says, but God, Jesus said, not John, not Matthew, not somebody else, but Jesus said, he says that since that time, since what time? Since John the Baptist began to preach the message that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says that the wonderful news of God's kingdom is being preached. He says, so from the time that John the Baptist began to preach the kingdom of repent, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, that's the gospel that has been preached. So John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it. You will find in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent his disciples out, they went out and they, what did they preach? Repent, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus said this, he says, not only is this message being preached, he said, he says, but uh, people's hearts burn with extreme passion. He said their hearts burn with extreme passion to receive the kingdom of God. So when Jesus, again, he's teaching people how to pray, he says, but you got to, if I'm telling you, Father, your kingdom come, you have to understand how what the, what the kingdom is before you can say, Father, I want your kingdom to come. Because remember, asking for the kingdom to come is all about his God's will, his purposes, and his intents. Are you with me so far? All right, I'm going to show you this part. He showed this with me today. He's and he says, Is Jesus the way or is Jesus? The destination. Are you trying to get people just to Jesus, or are you trying? Is or is Jesus a way to our interest to something else? Well, let's not. Let's let the word ask. Well, better yet, let's let Jesus answer that question for itself. Is Jesus the way, or is he the destination? Let's find out. In accordance to John chapter fourteen, verse six. John chapter 14, verse six, this is what Jesus said about himself. He, Jesus said to them, he says, I am the way. So Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. No man comes to the father except through me. So that closes down a whole lot of, it closes down new age, it closes down humanism, it closes down Hinduism, it closes down uh, uh Buddhism, it closed down uh, Islam, all that. Jesus says he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. You don't, you can't. So Jesus then says, I'm not, the, he says, I'm not the destination. Jesus says, I'm merely the door that gets you to the Father. I'll show it to you in another place. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, I'm reading out of uh, uh, John chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved, will live, and, and he will come in and go out uh, freely and will find pasture. 
So Jesus said, he says, I'm the way. Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus, I'm not the destination. He says, but I am the entrance. I am the entrance way into to get to the father. I am the entrance way by which you are able to receive salvation. Why is that so important? Because many people preach simply get people to Jesus. And that's great because, you know, yes, it does get them to it does get them to the father. But if that's all you understand is just getting to the father, but you don't understand that the whole purpose of coming to Jesus was not just to get you to the father, but he is the doorway to get you into the kingdom. Even though you will live life, you will not live the full life that he came to give you. Because in verse number 10, he goes on to say, he says, he says, that thief came, but to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So remember, we're praying, Father, your kingdom come, your influence, governing influence, impacting our lives with your will, your purposes, and your intents come in our lives in the earth, just like it is in heaven. Jesus has sounded the alarm, repent, turn, come back to God. Come because the kingdom of God is at hand. So come back to him now. He says this gospel has to be preached throughout the world to all the nations as a witness, and then the end will come. Then he goes on, he says, he says this. He says, I Jesus says, For this purpose was I sent to preach the kingdom of God. And he says, He says, I'm not the destination. Jesus said this about himself. I'm not the destination. He says, but I am the door. He says, I am the way. No man gets to the Father, gets through to the Father except through me. There's no other name under heaven, according to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except through the name of of Jesus. Now we're talking about this kingdom. We're talking about this kingdom coming and that your will being done. Where is the kingdom of God? Is it a place? Is it a local place in the earth? Well, according to Matt, uh, Luke chapter 17, Jesus answers that question for those Pharisees and Sadducees who was asking them, uh, where is this kingdom? Well, and, and I'm going to start off at verse 21 and it says this, I mean, verse 20 says this, the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another for the king God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you where is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is on the inside of you the kingdom of God is on the inside of you the moment you become born again or the moment that your spirit is regenerated or made new by the Holy Spirit, you're the, you are brand new and the kingdom of God comes on and resides on the inside of you. Well, how does the kingdom of God come and reside on the inside of you? I know so many people, when people say when Jesus announced that, now you got to remember, Jesus never announced any of this. He never did any ministry at all until he was baptized. And when he was baptized, two things happened. He was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, what did it say? It says, and then the Holy Spirit came down upon him and sat upon him. Now the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus and sat upon him. Now what happens the moment that you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? The Holy Spirit comes in you, he regenerates your spirit, 
and that old sin nature is removed and you receive what on the, you receive the nature of God or the kingdom of God on the inside of you. How, how do you know that? Because it says this in John chapter 14, I read in verse number 16, according to the New Living Translation, and it says this, Jesus was saying this, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or another comforter. The Holy Spirit, we call him the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener and the standby. Now, he and this, this advocate, what will he do? The Holy Spirit will never leave you. So you never have to pray, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, because the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, never leaves you. It says, who is this advocate? Who is this comforter who he's talking about? He is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into all truth. So if you're born again, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Now, the world cannot receive Holy Spirit. Why can't the world receive Holy Spirit? Because it isn't looking for him. It's not looking for him and doesn't even recognize him. He says, but Jesus is saying, but you know him. He's talking to his disciple, but you know him because he lives with you now and later he will live in you. So even though the Holy Spirit is, was around them because Jesus was full of the was full of the Holy Spirit, he was around, he lived around him. He says, but Jesus is telling me there's going to come a moment, there's going to come a point in time. He's not only going to live around you, but he's going to live in you. So when you get born again, the first thing that happens after you get born again is you receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And, th and by the person of the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit does what, what ambassadors do when they go to other countries that, that, that are under the rulership of, a, of a, a, another country, they, he goes down there and what does that person do? That person is what they call the governor. And what does he begin to do? He begins to colonize or cultivate the land that is, is, is under occupation uh, by the, uh, the large land. I give you like Great Britain. Great Britain used to own, uh, even in the United States, Great Britain used to have its, its uh, uh, rulership over United States and also for over Canada. And what happened? They sent people down to the land of Canada and began to teach them Great Britain's laws, principles, rules, regulations, cultures, and lifestyle. So what does the Holy Spirit do when he moves on the inside of you, representing the kingdom of God? He begins to lead and guide you into all truth, teaching you about the, the rules, about the laws, the principles, the concepts, the will, the purpose and intents of God so that you are able to begin to, his, his job is to help lead and guide you into the truth, to begin to cultivate you, to you begin to take on the image of the kingdom of which you are now a citizen of. It's kind of like people when they come to Canada and they apply for citizenship. One of the things you got to learn about Canada, you got to learn about all the, the laws, the history, the rules, the regulations and everything. And then you have to take a citizenship test. And when you take that citizenship test, once you successfully pass the test and you have been taught and, you, and learned all the information and knowledge and you swear allegiance to keep those laws, those principles, the, the histories and all that is no different than when you come into the kingdom of God. The moment you accept Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you have made a decision that you have let go of your old life. You're picking up that new life. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to learn the principles and, and concepts 
and laws of the kingdom of God so that when you live your life going forward, you're going to represent the, the country where which you have citizenship. And that's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Now, you also got to understand this. When Jesus, remember, he told the disciples, he says, he's with you now, he says, but then he's going to be in you. When did the Holy Spirit come into the disciples? Well, Jesus in John chapter 20, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, this is what he says. Jesus said unto them, this is after he re resurrected from the cross. He says, and he said, peace be with you. He said, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. Then what did Jesus do? Jesus breathed. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now they're born again. Now, before they were born again, they, they could have the Holy Spirit upon, but they could not have the Holy Spirit within. The moment that they were born again, the moment they acknowledged Jesus as, as Lord, they believed on him, and, and Jesus had went to the cross, paid for the sins, past, present, and future. Now they're eligible to receive Holy Spirit within. No, if you read in the Old Testament, he used to come upon people for a task, and then he would be off. But when Jesus, when he was baptized, Holy Spirit came within. When his disciples, when they were, when they was born when they received uh, they were born again and jesus had already paid the sins price the sin debt and the remission of sin is made available the moment he had paid the price he breathed on them and they received the holy spirit within they took on the nature of god they took on the nature of the kingdom the kingdom of god is now living on the inside of them so that now, when they go to pray, they're going to pray because now they have the nature of God on the king, the Holy Spirit on them. They have the nature of God, which are the fruits of the spirit are now on the inside of them. Now they're going to begin to cultivate and develop the, the nature of God in their everyday lives. And part of that includes how they come to prayer. See, Jesus himself even needed the Holy Spirit in order to do his ministry. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, due to this miracle work and power to go about doing good and healing all who are sick or oppressed of the devil for cause God was with him. The same way that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, it's the same way that Jesus anointed his disciples with the Holy Spirit and with power to, what did he say? I'm Just like God has sent me out, I'm going to send you out. Just like God sent me out, sent me here to preach about the kingdom of God, I'm going to send you out. And guess what you're going to preach? About the kingdom of God. And when you understand the kingdom of God, when you come to prayer, when it's time to pray, you're going to understand I'm no longer representing myself, but I'm representing the country, the kingdom of God, of which I'm now a citizen. And what I'm going to do when I come into prayer, I'm going to pray, Father, your kingdom, your will, your purposes, and your intents be done in the earth, just like it is in heaven. Is God's desire that when you pray, you pray with confidence. You pray boldly because you are praying according to his will. And you have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you if you're born again. And what he always does, he will always lead and guide you into all truth. He will teach you in all things. 
bring back to your remembrance all the things which Christ has said unto you and show you those things to come. But you have to make a decision to yield to him, to allow him to lead you. You know, the thing about it is, is even though the world can't receive the Holy Spirit because he's not looking for him, doesn't recognize him. The Holy Spirit still goes out and tries to convince the world, convince the world to do what? Convince the world to turn from darkness to light. That's what he does, you know, and you will hear a message or somebody will say something. And that's why it's so important to begin to let people know, man, there's benefits about being in the kingdom of God. There's healing available in the kingdom of God. There's deliverance available in the kingdom of God. There's wholeness available in the kingdom of God. There's, 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 there's restoration available to you in the kingdom of God. There's all kind of benefits in the kingdom of God. And he says, but the only way people are going to know that is when you begin to go out and share what is the kingdom of God all about? You know, it's, and, and one of the things in order to be a partaker of all these benefits, the first thing you got to do is you have to come through the door. And what is the door? Jesus is the door. He says this, John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight in accordance to Romans chapter 10. Verses 8, 9, and 10, which says this. It says, the word of God is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved means healed, set free, delivered, protected, and made whole. He says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to give you an opportunity to make that confession with us tonight in the name of Jesus. Pray this prayer with us right now. Confess it out of your mouth. Meaning if you're in your heart and you too will walk through that door into the kingdom of God. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ, He is the Son of God. He died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe He was put in the grave, but now He's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I repent of sin. I receive your offer of forgiveness. And right now, I'm born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into back into right relationship, welcome you into the kingdom of God, and welcome you back into right relationship. Now, what do you do now? Now that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you got to do just what Jesus told his disciples. You got to become a student of the word. When you become a student of the word, what happens? You begin to learn about the laws, the principles, and the concepts of the kingdom so you can live your best life yet. Now, we know that Ignite Depot is such a place where we teach the word of God concerning the kingdom of God, the love of God. We talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that you can live your best life yet, so that you can represent the kingdom for which you are now a legal citizen in. Welcome to the kingdom. Now, we're, you can always join us here each week at 6, 6 p.m. Uh, Atlanta Standard Time, 6 p.m. Atlanta Standard Time, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you join us. Man, if you want to, if you want to uh, 
you know, hear this message again. You know, it's better for you if you're riding in the car, you're at work, you're working out, and you want to hear this message, we won't give you opportunity. You can scan the QR code that's on the screen right there, which, so you can uh, find our uh, podcast where you can not only listen to the message, you can subscribe. So when we put out a new podcast, you'll always hear that. The new podcast and whatever podcast that has built up to this point. Also, I mentioned it in the broadcast. Hey, the Why Jesus Conference in, in Toronto is it's August the 4th and 5th, August the 4th and 5th in Toronto and uh, Word of Faith International Christian Center, uh, Toronto with Pastor Keith uh, Fritz and Minister Beverly. Uh, Fritz is going to be there as well. And also, if you just if you want to support Ignite Depot, hey, man, we, we really believe in the in the words that you're sharing with us. We believe in in the work that God is doing. Man, scan the, the QR code. You can be a blessing to the ministry. So help us to spread this gospel of the kingdom, north, south, east, and west. And we we'd be honored to, you know, if you have a prayer request, send it to Ignite. As you were sending to info at ignitedepot.com. That's info at ignitedepot.com where we take your prayers before the throne of God each and every day and believe God that you receive an answer for to the uh, prayer that you're asking. Now, on behalf of Pastor Juin and the entire Night Nation, I want to thank you for joining us tonight and remember this. Jesus said this gospel has to be preached, the gospel of the kingdom. So repent, turn back to God and hear this hope-filled message about the kingdom of God that's at hand. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.